from the Mercy One Studio. Welcome to Straight Talk, a lively discussion on tough issues impacting our lives. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Here's your host, Gene Wells. Welcome to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio, your weekly news for the diocese and the world, plus commentary on tough issues impacting our lives. Straight Talk. This is not Gene Wells. Uh, this is John Wynn filling in for Gene Wells, along with my co-host, Justin White. That's right. It takes two people to cover Gene's spot. That's right. We, she does a lot. Well, we think. <laughs> You've got questions, we've got answers here at the Mercy One studio. I count my blessings, just like uh, Gene does, to be broadcasting out of the Mercy One studio on Iowa Catholic Radio. So for today, we've got uh, a, a good good show. We're going to be diving into uh, not only some news from around the world and the updates from the last week, but additionally, we're going to be talking about uh, various challenges and um, uh, opportunities with both evangelization, catechesis, with uh, various age groups. Right. First, news. On the evening of uh, Independence Day, a crowd in Sacramento tore down a statue of St. Junipero Serra, set fire to it, and beat it with sledgehammers. In a July 5th statement, Bishop James Soto of Sacramento said that while the group's actions may have, been, uh, may have meant to draw attention to the sorrowful, angry memories over California's past, their act of vandalism does little to build the future. Um, quote, there is no question that California's indigenous people endured great suffering during the colonial period and then later faced the horror of government-sanctioned genocide under the nascent state of California. This legacy is heartbreaking. Yet it is also true that while Father Sarah worked under this colonial system, he denounced its evils and worked to protect the dignity of the native peoples, Bishop Soto said. Additionally, two notable deaths uh, in the Catholic world this past week. Uh, one, on July 1st, Monsignor Georg Ratzinger, the brother of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI, uh, died Wednesday, uh, July 1st, at the age of 96 in the Diocese of Regensburg. Additionally, Ennio Morricone, the composer for a number of Oscar-winning films, uh, died at the age of 91 on, uh, oh gosh, I lost it, I think it was Sunday. No, yesterday, July 6th. Sorry about that. Uh, Maestro Morricone was known for a number of uh, Oscar-winning films with uh, incredible directors. But to be honest, the one that really kind of uh, hits home for me was his work with The Mission, uh, which I believe was a 1986 film or so, but just a really fantastic film uh, uh, depicting uh, Jesuit missionaries in, oh gosh, I forget exactly... The, where, but engaged with a border dispute with Spain and Portugal in about the seventeenth uh, century, and their work on behalf of the natives. So, really good stuff. Yeah. So pray for the repose of their souls. Absolutely. Um, events around the diocese: uh, the Chrysler Life Conference is still on for September twenty sixth and twenty seventh. With COVID-19 as an issue, the organizers are keeping an eye on the all, all of these statistics in order to provide a safe conference for this fall. Um, for tickets, please go online to ChristOurLifeIowa.com. That, again, is ChristOurLifeIowa.com. Um, other diocesan news, Justin, what are we doing for the next two weeks after this? <laughs> we're, uh, we're taking a, uh, a furloughed vacation, we'll call it. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
<laughs> so the pastoral center will be uh, on furlough uh, at the end of this week for the for two weeks after. I forget the exact dates. Uh, July 11th to the 24th. That's right. Uh, sounds about right. Uh, so for those two weeks, the pastoral center will be. Um, Closed even more than it has been for COVID, uh, with yep. with all pastoral center staff taking two weeks of furlough. Yep, and uh, we're doing that in order to be good stewards of right. uh, of the money that's been entrusted to us um, for our do- uh, to our donors and those who are our benefactors. Yes, sir. So let's talk about uh, what we're what we got going on today. Yes, sir. So today the plan is to talk about um, various uh, challenges, obstacles, struggles, and opportunities for moving forward in evangelization with um, my work being primarily with youth and young adults, but we don't have to keep the conversation that, that specific. In fact, I would say that's one of the key things with youth ministry in particular is to broaden the conversation of the demographic we're talking about with youth ministry is to look at the family as a whole. So the plan for today is to go through some various ways in which we're currently um, trying to not only work through the struggles of dealing with the COVID-19 landscape, but additionally, even before the COVID-19 landscape started to take place, what were uh, youth ministers and pastors and parents struggling with when it came to evangelizing our young people uh, and, and really creating a domestic church, a domestic environment that would seem to be a domestic church um, you know, equipping our, our young people for a real relationship with Christ. Yeah, so being the Thomist that I am, I'm, what I'm hearing is uh, there There seems to be two categories that we should be, uh, that we'll be focusing on. One is evangelization, um, yeah. modeling the faith, and the other is catechesis, um, spreading on uh, the faith through uh, knowledge, right? The, the, the two aren't, um, they're distinctive, but they're not necessarily uh, separated right. uh, in in their own work, right? Or they they can't be anyway. Well, yeah, <laughs> they they uh, uh, they sometimes are, but they definitely shouldn't be. That's for sure. Yeah, and why 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 do we treat them uh, in such a manner that that we we separate them um, and then think that they'll be effective? You know, I might actually even propose uh, uh, on on pondering it that. Instead of separating them, sometimes we meld them together so that they lose their distinctive flares, right? Which it ends up being essentially separating them, right? Um, but so what I mean by this is you mentioned evangelization and defined it there as modeling the faith, right? And, and you know, living that life of discipleship, um, you know, even with, you know, the way in which we stumble, because none of us are, are, are perfect ourselves. We're never going to perfectly model the faith. But in those struggles, we can still model it. I don't know that we often think of evangelization as that, as modeling the faith. I think we usually boil it down to, oh, it's me telling other people about Jesus, right? Which, in a lot of, well, that's, that's catechesis, right? We shouldn't, we shouldn't meld them together entirely like that. There's teaching the faith, and there's modeling the faith, for sure. And when we let one be the other, we sacrifice what whichever one we sacrifice both of them truthfully um, yeah so you seem to be suggesting that there's a conflation of terms here right that right. that when we say evangelization what we <clears throat> what we really are meaning is catechesis where where you tell people about Jesus but not give them Jesus sir i want to see Jesus right. and not not simply i want to hear about Jesus right. um uh, so what what are some of this uh, the current statistics that uh 
you know, we, you and I were talking earlier, and and, and you mentioned some staggering statistics that about young people and uh, young Catholics right. specifically that are quite uh, somewhat imp- 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 <laughs> impressive, really. I mean, yeah. So the ones that uh, there are three that typically stick out to me, and of course, I am not able to pull up the tab right here. The page isn't loading for the actual studies, but um, the ones that stick out. Uh, in well, I guess uh, really, I'll, I'll lay four out real quick. One is that roughly fifteen percent of uh, 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 of adults, or sorry, of people in general in the United States, uh, call themselves nuns, and that is you know consistently rising. Nuns being those who would, on a survey, uh, when asked what religious affiliation they have, they would click you know none. They have they have no religious affiliation. Okay, mm-hmm. that one's not you know. That's a bummer, and it's rising, and that's that's unfortunate. Right. Um, a little bit more staggering is uh, of just millennials, and, and I don't know that the Gen Z numbers would be any better than this, but the study was on millennials. Of millennial Catholics in the last 20 years, a full 50% have left the church, right? Like a full 50% uh, of, of, of those who say that at some point in the last 20 years they were or are a millennial Catholic, half of them are no longer right? That's wild. Um, and at least in my work with young adult ministry, it bears, it, sometimes there are national studies that here in the diocese, you go, oh, well, those don't really apply, right? Because of whatever factors that one applies. Um, and it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, another one that oftentimes strikes me is as far as for those who are, and this is not counting births and deaths, right? But when it comes to just you know, baptism confirmations, and then studies of those leaving. For every one individual who, and this is not just young Catholics, this is Catholics in general, for every one person coming into the church right now, 6.45 are leaving. Right. right? That's that's crazy. <laughs> right. I think right. And, and my, my comment to you, right. of course, was if you were at a casino and for every dollar you win, <laughs> you were losing six, you would just abandon the uh, the session completely. Right? <laughs> right. I mean, at some point you wouldn't have a choice. You'd just so, be out. <laughs> right. So why, why, why aren't we abandoning the faith? And that's, I think that's, yeah. that's the question that we, uh, we're going to be addressing right. um, in, in the show. Right. Yeah. And it's, I think one of the, the final, the final one that I might throw out there is one that comes down to median age, right? So we have all these young people leaving the church. And so naturally a follow-up question was, well, why or when? And what they found is that the median age at which young people are leaving the church is age 13, which is wild on a number of levels. But the one that kicks, uh, kicks in for me is that age is before our parishes started, for the most part, start addressing what would typically be called youth ministry. So before we've really started to dive into so much of what youth ministry in our parishes is about, half the kids have left. <laughs> you know, we've, we've missed the boat at that point. Right. Um which is why a lot of folks have been saying, you know, we got to really emphasize, uh, uh, you know, you know, younger areas of, of youth ministry, but also just start looking at full family evangelization and what that what that means. Right. I, you know, with with family evangelization, um, and we talked about this already, or not already, but you and I have visited mm-hmm. uh, right about this on on numerous occasions. Um, th- there tends to be this sort of this idea of outsourcing. Right, yes, the yes. the work, um, because we think that it, just like anything else, um, our lives are busy, and so um, you know, with the faith, we can simply just send our children 
um, to religious education. Mm-hmm. We can send our children to Catholic schools. Catholic school, yeah. um, and we hope that uh, that they will do our own work for us. Right. right? That, um, that our kids somehow will come home and they'll be um, faithful people, uh, faithful Catholics. Right. Um, and it, it's it's reminiscent, of course, and this is the, the the line that I always go to. It's reminiscent of that uh, that G.K. Chesterton uh, line. He says, "You know, if a, if a thing is worth doing, it's, it's worth, worth doing, doing poorly. badly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, poorly. Um, if it's something that's worthwhile, you're going to try to do it, even if it's it, you're bad at it, yeah. or you you know may not have time or whatever else, but you make the time. And I, I think." prioritizing that is an absolute must uh, but there is this tendency to outsource our domestic church to a different area and expecting something different to come from it um, and it's it's just not how that works is it no no not at all and I don't want uh, I don't want to uh, you know make it sound like we're trying to demonize parents or anything for for this because honestly we've set up structures that encourage this right right? we've we've set up you know we've we've kind of leaned into a whole generation or two now who have themselves not been terribly well evangelized right and and the the structures for creating evangelizing communities and real you know fostering an environment where living a life of excuse me christian discipleship is encouraged have not really been there and Mm -hmm. so our parishes you know have, have done a great job of stepping in and being like you know what let's put in place uh, you know, real structures, as in, you know, staff who are dedicated to helping parents, you know, fill this fill this uh, kind of lack of domestic church out a little bit. But too easily it has turned into, well, we can just kind of let the parish take over, or we can just let the school take over, or something along those lines. Right. And there's a balance there that needs to be filled. The domestic church is vital. Parish ministry formation efforts are vital. Um, but one is dramatically missing right yeah. now at the yeah. expense of the other. Yeah. So I, I think we've pointed the sort of our our, our finger on the pulse of one um, of the two sort of concerns that we have, right? The yep. evangelization piece. Um, I think there's another one concern that we have, um, which is the catechetical piece. And I think we'll come come back to that right after our break. Hi, this is Father John Ricardo, and I want to thank Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory for underwriting Christ is the Answer. Losing a loved one, as we know, is never easy, and it can leave you feeling lost and even hopeless at times. But Caldwell Parish helps ease that burden by sincerely caring both about your loss and about your faith. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory is Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. The number is 515-276-0551 or online at caldwellparish.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. According to a 2019 Global Food Security Report, more than 820 million people in the world are hungry today. None of us can help all of them. Most of us can help one. One child. Your gift of $1 a day through Blessman International provides a child in South Africa with a daily hot meal, place of safety, educational experience, and spiritual development. To get started, go to BlessmanInternational.org and click Sponsor a Child. 
Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports on Iowa Catholic Radio is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic. With two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling graduate, and Dr. Craig Harper, the Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. I am your co-host, Justin White, and I am here with John Wynn for the day. Uh, we are having a conversation about catechesis and evangelization, uh, in particular of young people, but uh, in this last segment, John, we kind of pivoted the discussion a little bit towards, uh, well, catechesis. We kind of covered our evangelization struggles for a little right. bit. Right. Um, and, and the highlight there was this tension between parish communities as a focus of evangelization, and the domestic church. And uh, that leads us into our next aspect of this, which is catechesis. Right. So um, catechesis, you know, when, when, when we talk about teaching the faith, um, there, is, there are no other sort of way to think about this, at least for me, other than to communicate the three transcendentals um, of the faith. Because I think everything else sort of falls underneath that. Sure. And the three transcendentals, of course, are truth, beauty, and goodness. Um, and I think, you know, from, from my own experience, um, ha- having taught at Dowling and then um, working with now, be, you know, I would be invited to, to give talks and presentations to, to youth and, and mm-hmm. to sometimes young adults. Um, my experience with that is, you know, the... In regards to truth, young people, young Catholics, understand that there are uh, there are they understand the conclusions of the faith. They yeah. know uh, what I would call the punchline of the faith, right? Yeah. Um, they know the commandments. I shouldn't do this. I should do that. But they're not completely sure as to 
why they ought not do that or why they ought to do that. Um, there's no context for it. Um, faith and reason seem then to be kind of these two thi- two separate things that are opposed to one another rather than, uh, as John Paul II says, right, two sides of the same coin or the two wings upon which the human spirit rises in right. contemplation of truth in Fides et Ratio. So um, there, there, there is this lack then um, in communicating the, the reasons or, right, the, the reason for the faith. Right, and without that foundation, it all just seems arbitrary, right? Without the, you know, the beauty and the goodness that go along with the truth, honestly, even truth has a hard time standing on its own. And our young mm-hmm. people are really struggling with this because they're offered plenty of things that, is, uh, you know, appear to be beautiful. They're offered plenty of things that appear to be good. And, you know, we're definitely seeing a world in which the transcendental of truth is challenged a lot more vehemently right 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 the, the the term of course now you know the the term that floats around now is relativism right 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 i mean even to the point where uh was it was it benedict or jp2 that talked about the the tyranny of relativism now like that's right. really really rampant in a lot of ways and it's not just it's not just an ivory tower discussion right this is the sort right. of thing that has real real time impacts real world excuse me impacts on uh the, the culture as we as we have, as we experience it, when the three of them, the, the transcendentals, that is, when they are separated from one another or or treated only one at a time, they all fall apart. And I think you're hitting exactly where it is with our young people. They're getting both in their parish communities and occasionally at home a real heavy dose of this is what the church believes. This is what we ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you just kind of roll with that, right? right, <laughs> and, right and without right. a foundation of uh, the the why and whatnot, and we kind of get back to our yeah. evangelization question from earlier. It's because, frankly, a lot of our, our our parents, God bless them, and even our parish ministers, as well intended as they are, aren't all that sure themselves of what those foundational pieces are. Yeah. Um, they're just you know the ones who have you know r- you know accepted these truths and do believe them uh, to be true and are really trying to pass them on. Right. There's. <laughs> Um, th- there's a great line in, again, going back to Fidesz Ratio, um, Faith and Reason. There's a great line in there. He goes, you know, faith without reason becomes superstition. And, right. and man, growing up in Vietnam, superstition was part <laughs> of, essentially part of our lives, right? <laughs> so there used to be this thing where at noontime, at noontime in Vietnam is super hot. I mean, from where I, from where I am, it, it, it gets to like 110, 115 easy. Oh. And it's it's... I mean, it's dangerously hot, and so the children have to be kept at home. Um, most people don't even work. You know, they, that's when they, they come home, they have lunch, and they rest until kind of the mid-afternoon before they go back to the fields and things. But the children, um, you know, they have to be kept at home. And in order to keep, keep the children at home, stories are told, right? Um, I, I remember being told the story that if I if I left the house, um, if I left and, and went into the streets— there would be a ghost that would abduct <laughs> me, um, and my parents would never see me again. Now, there were no reasons as to why this ghost was abducting people at all. <laughs> you didn't get a backstory? <laughs> yeah, or... yeah, right. There were no contacts, no nothing at all. And uh, But that was the thing that was instilled in me, and so I, I feared it um, up until I got... I got older, right? And then, then you realize how silly some of these things sure. are. And I think that's... I, 
what I'm getting at here is I think if we present our faith without the the beauty of the reasoning behind it, what ends up happening is our our young people as they enter into um you know college as they enter into even reasoning age right at at the high school level um they begin to to see this um as well this is merely a fairy tale um right. you know the guy who rose from the dead what right. we we don't have any evidence and and so they begin to dismiss it and and say well this is not for me so they extract they extract then the 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 things that may be good about it and keep that but dis- disregard everything else um and so, you know, we, you and I had this discussion about um, this this modern sort of uh, moralistic deism, right? right? That that God is this 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 person who's uh, out there, good, wants me to be good, but th- but that's about it. So, uh, yes, we got to definitely go on moralistic therapeutic deism for a moment. I want to backtrack real quick sure. to the fairy tale line because I think it's spot on, and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to put out one of my harebrained theories that I get ridiculed for all the time. Um, I don't like Santa Claus. And I don't really like the Easter Bunny. And I don't like the Tooth Fairy. And the reason why is because as they are taught to our, our, our kids, and I don't just mean my kids, but just in, in general, our kids here in the States, mm-hmm. the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus in particular are oftentimes so cut off from any sort of Christian teaching about Easter or Christmas that they they do exactly what you're talking about. They seem like just the ghost in the village that will you know take you if you if you run off. Yeah. And so as soon as a kid reaches an age where they start realizing, you know, like Santa, like it's my parents that bring me. Oh gosh, I don't know if I should. Do we have kids listening to this? I don't want to ruin anything. <laughs> but actually, this is my point. I do want to ruin this. Um, you know, as soon as they start realizing, you know, it's not actually it's my parents that are bringing presents on Christmas Eve, and it's you know it's them filling the Easter baskets, and it's them putting the money under my pillow for the tooth fairy. The way those are presented. And the way that, frankly, Jesus is presented, it's not a long leap from Santa or Easter Bunny or Tooth Fairy aren't real to, well, Jesus is a lot like those things, so he's probably not real either. So I've, in my, in my age, I have tempered in this a little bit, but at first, you know, before my wife and I had kids, we had real conversations. I was like, I don't want to teach our kids about Santa Claus. Like, yeah. I don't want to lie to them about that because when they hit, you know, age eight or whatever, when they start realizing it, it's going to bring on a real crisis of faith. Now, I've tempered that back to... As long as – now, the Tooth Fairy is really kind of whatever, right? But right. With, with Easter Bunny and Santa Claus, it, I, I really think if we're going to you know, teach our kids those you know, myths, so to speak, they have to be directly connected to the truth of the holiday that's being celebrated, right? The Christian roots of it, yeah. rather than just, hey, on Easter we do this thing. And completely unconnected, there's a bunny that, you know, hides eggs in your house, yeah. right? We have to draw those real connections. Otherwise, I mean, it's just too easy to, to throw everything out. I, you know, and so so that connects to our, our, our other point about um, evangelization is because, because, you know, yeah, we may tell our, our kids Easter Bunny. We may tell our kids Santa Claus, right. Tooth Fairy. But we don't live every day right. as if... Those things exist, right? right? I'm not living every day, in, um, and my kids aren't witnessing it non-verbally right. that, like, Santa Claus exists or, or tooth fairies exist, right? Um, but if Jesus is truly the one who I embrace, this is the faith um, that I'm convicted of, then my life 
reflects that. And not yeah. only do the stories communicate the faith, my life communicates the faith. And so the conviction then comes in twofold, and that's exactly what you're getting at there, I think, is that, you know, it's not just it's not just a one-and-done kind of ordeal, yep. <laughs> unconnected, yep. and when it's unconnected, it can be easily dismissed. So it's not just what you say, it's also what you do and absolutely. how you live. Right. No, you're absolutely right, and, and I think you're absolutely right to connect that to, you know, just as we only really talk about, well, I guess my kids talk about Santa all the time, right, like in the middle of the year, and they're still like, how many months till Christmas, right? But, you know, with, with Santa the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy, they're only really spoken about when relevant. All too often, how, exactly. lo- how often do we do our faith that way, that, right? That's exactly it. We talk yeah. about Jesus yeah. on, you know, the Sunday where we happen to make it to, to church, but other than that, he's not relevant right. to my everyday activities. Right. And that's where that domestic church starts to really fall apart, mm-hmm. when... Jesus is relegated to the same level of daily relevance as as Santa or the Easter Bunny. Right. And, you know, understanding the difficulties, I, I understand parents have to work, um, you know, Right. That's a, that's a totally other issue where you know you you used to have a one parent household and 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 you can really kind of make do now you still need uh, a two parent uh, mm-hmm. working household not one parent household but one parent working household um so so I understand those difficulties um at the same time you know when you get those moments together we we have to be intentional about living our faith so that our children um especially our young people right witnessing that yep Praying before meals. Man, it's one of the easiest things, right? To mm-hmm. just just say, Hey, thank God for yep. for this the stuff that I I didn't do anything <laughs> right. to, to, to go to the store and it's just there. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> so um so so there those those small moments we can be very intentional about in in not just in making Jesus not just a one right off thing. Right. And I think you're, you you hit it with the the dynamic of the family is uh, is not what it used to be, right? The, the time that parents get with their kids is often uh, a, a small percentage of their week as a whole, which is a real tragedy, but it also a, a real calling to say, if we only have so much time with our kids, we got to make sure that it's really zeroed in on on what's best for them, which is, you know, the growth in the faith and make sure that's at the heart of so much of this. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, like all your time with your kids should be nothing other than, you know, as many rosaries as you can possibly get in in three hours of a night. Uh, but rather making sure that within the context of everything else that they've done, both of, over their day and, and with you, that they understand that all of that is relevant to their faith, right? And for all of that, their faith is relevant to it. But we've privatized our faith so dramatically that it's so, it just seems separate, right? We're getting yeah. back to it again. Jesus is something that's relevant for Sunday mornings, not through yeah. the rest of it. When we lose that strain of relevance, to get back to the transcendentals that you brought up earlier, truths can't stand on their own because they're not connected to the fundamental goodness and beauty that undergirds them. Right. Um, a recent story, uh, so a recent conversation I had uh, with someone, and um, and she was saying, you know, um, my daughter and and and, uh, and her dad don't see eye to eye on things. Mm-hmm. But in the evening, I see them praying together mm. um, before bed, and and so she says maybe there's hope there. Yeah, uh, cer- you know certainly even it, those things, right? In, in those little moments, um, even if we, if even if we say you know uh, perhaps our children are misled, perhaps uh, our, our our children 
um, are venturing down the wrong path and whatever else. But there's when we've instilled that sort of commitment, that sort of faith, um, then we we can be at least somewhat relieved yeah. of the anchor that we've sort of instilled into some you know the the world is a tempest tossed sea um and if you can instill at least a a, a heavy anchor into your children that they can survive some of right. that um you know that the ship isn't go isn't going to be uh unwrecked in pieces <laughs> but uh but at least hopefully it'll it'll remain yeah you know we'll get rid of the, the tempest of it. but it'll keep you keep you at least somewhat right all right it is time for a quick break here on iowa catholic radio this is straight talk with john Wynn and justin white What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Thank you to Mercy One for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. From the cardiovascular experts at the Iowa Heart Center to the pediatric services of Mercy Children's Hospital and Clinics, Mercy provides complete care for Central Iowa's adults and children with more than 50 primary care and specialty clinics in the Des Moines area. Find a convenient Mercy One location near you. Online at mercydesmoines.org. Since 1924, St. Vincent de Paul has been helping those less fortunate work towards self-sufficiency. Last year, St. Vincent de Paul helped over 20,000 individuals with food, clothing, and shelter, while also offering classes in financial literacy, high school completion, career readiness, and prisoner re-entry. SVDPDSM.org, 515-282-8327. Shop, donate, volunteer, serve. This message was brought to you by Homemakers Furniture. Hi, this is Father Mitch Pacwa. And our Lord said if you give a cup of cold water to a disciple because he's a disciple, you get a disciple's reward. We thank you for your support of Catholic Radio because we are trying to be faithful disciples and we trust that as you are generous, our Lord will also reward you with a disciple's reward. You can give securely online at iowacatholicradio.com, the Iowa Catholic Radio app, or call 515-223-1150. Did you know you have a choice in your child's education? Smaller class sizes, dedicated teachers, a sense of community, and a caring learning environment. Whether it's in the classroom or at home, Diocese of Des Moines Catholic Schools deliver the best value in education, and we offer tuition assistance to help you afford it. Learn more about how the Catholic schools in the Des Moines Diocese might be the right choice for your child. Visit dmdiocese.org slash schools. Need an experienced attorney for legal matters? I know a guy. Stephen C. Reed, attorney at law, is a proud supporter of Iowa Catholic Radio. Steve is a longtime resident of Iowa and is licensed to practice in all Iowa state and federal courts. He has years of experience in real estate law, wills, conservatorships, trusts, and estate planning. Steve's law office phone number is 515-224-1776. That's 515-224-1776. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients 
for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. High humidity coming up. We'll get sunshine today and our afternoon high in the low 90s. Clear tonight and low 70s, sunny and mid-90s tomorrow. Heat index 103 and breezy. Weather is brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy. Outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation with seven convenient locations in the Des Moines metro and southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is John Wynn with my co-host Justin White. We are currently out at the um, Mercy One studio. Please text us at 515-223-1150. We have been talking about uh, evangelization and catechesis, especially regarding uh, young people and um, our uh, children. And... We left off when we were talking about moralistic deism, therapeutic moralistic deism, and Justin has strong opinions about this. <laughs> so we're going to go to him now. Right. So I certainly can't claim moralistic therapeutic deism, right? And there's even been some um, some good things written uh, about it in the 15 years since it came out in a study that have kind of criticized the way in which it uh, processed some some study results. But I think it still bears merit, especially in this conversation about uh, challenges that we face with evangelizing our young people and uh, trying to create domest- the domestic church, right, or, or recreate, really, the domestic church. Um, so this first came about uh, when a book was published in 2005 called Soul Searching, The Religious and Spiritual Lives of American Teenagers. Uh, there were a couple sociologists, Christian Smith and Melinda Lundquist-Denton, published this after um, I don't remember how long the study itself was, but it was a study called the National Study of Youth and Religion, right? And they found some really interesting things. Most notably, one of their conclusions was that young people uh, are often not adhering to a particular religious tradition. But rather, if you look at their various beliefs, you'll find that they, they kind of have formed a new religious tradition, right? Uh, What's less of a tradition and more of Mm. just kind of a system of belief. They don't actually have a new religion. A lot of them say, you know, oh, no, I'm Christian or, you know, I'm whatever their family was. But when you get right down to their actual beliefs, you go, but but those aren't Christian beliefs, right? Or at least they're a very watered-down version to the point where it would be hard to really say that they're Christian. Uh, In this study, they outlined five, and I'll go ahead and read them real quick. Uh, And remember, it's moralistic, therapeutic, Deism. That's what kind of how they they ended up labeling mm-hmm. this this new um, uh, this new set of beliefs. First, young people believe typically, and of course, all this is just typical of, of you know a study. This isn't mm-hmm. absolutely true of whatever young person you know. Thankfully, right. there are a lot of young people who are very orthodox Catholics. Uh, but first, a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on Earth. Right. So that's there's part of, part of the deism. Yep. God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. There's kind of that uh, moralistic part of it. 
the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself, right? It's at this point that we really kind of see things go off the rails, right? right. That, like that's, that's the goal of life. But that's the therapeutic part. And there are two more that kind of get back to uh, the therapeutic and the deist. Four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. There's that therapeutic aspect. And good people, five is good people go to heaven when they die, right? Like those are kind of the five main tenets of moralistic therapeutic deism. And this study found there are a remarkable amount of young people who, whether they would articulate them in those ways or not, adhere to all five of those and really not a whole lot else. Mm -hmm. And that's what caused uh, Smith and Denton, I believe were the names, to realize there's a real um, sociological dynamic going on here that churches need to be aware of and, and need to be able to challenge young people to go, look, there are half-truths, if not full-truths, in, in some of those five tenets, mm-hmm. but they're a really low bar. I mean, right. really low, and that's part of the problem. Right, so uh, funny enough, you know, we, we you were talking about uh, Santa Claus, and as mm-hmm. you're reading that off, I can't help but imagine uh, God as just this cosmic Santa Claus yep. um, delivering gifts when we suffer and then sort of... Um, Move about, you know, as as uh, as nothing um, when there's life to be to be lived. Now, right? What? Yeah, three of those. In this, fact, you could substitute Santa Claus for God, and they still make perfect sense. Right? Yeah. <laughs> now, here's here's my question to you, though. Right? Um, why why is it that so so you and I uh, have taught at Dowling Catholic before? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know we we've done service hours there. That's that's mm-hmm. a thing that's um, you know it, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. It's a great thing that they're doing, and uh, they serve the community uh, very very well. The, the danger, right? The inherent danger in that, of course, is that if we divorce um, the the good from Christ, we land on something else. Uh, we land on a kind of uh, humanism that. That yeah, part of it is good, but then the other part just doesn't make sense. Where or how, how do you think that we can address this? Um, you know, with with young people thinking, you know, the only thing I can do now, or the the only thing that's asked of me, um, is is to do good, right? Um, and uh, and when I do good, I feel good about myself, right? Um, and when how, I do good, how, I hopefully have assurances of heaven. Right. right. So how how do I how do we solve that? Yeah, right. There's that that piece too. So I when I was in uh college, I went on a couple of mission trips and there was a priest who uh was on our campus. I, he was at the time the the chaplain of the of the university and um he would he was he was no nonsense sort of guy, right? And Whenever someone would complain on, on one of these mission trips, because we were gone, you know, three weeks in really hot areas of the world and whatnot, um, but whenever someone would complain, he would go, oh, just die already, <laughs> right? And, you know, it would get kind of weird looks when he's like, that, that part of you just needs to die, right? That right. part that is not willing to, you know, sacrifice without whining, in other words, uh, needs to die so often. And I think that's part of the connection here. This second tenet of moralistic therapeutic deism is that God wants people to be good, nice, and fair to each other, um, as, and then they always would say, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. Now, I don't know how many of the survey respondents like have read the Bible or read various parts of it and, and know it very well, but 
it only takes a pretty surface level reading to see that God wants a lot more than just being good, nice, and fair to each other. And in fact, he wants, you know, we can just look no further than the Gospels. He wants us to love one another as Jesus loves us. Right. Right. Which is far more than just good and nice and fair. But since we don't often have in our daily lives opportunities to physically, you know, or literally die for one another, die for those we love and whatnot, we tend to lose sight of that. And we start saying, well, you know, maybe just being good to someone when I would rather be mean to them is my way of, you know, Christian dying for someone and whatnot. But it doesn't take long for that to get watered down to the point where, oh, I just need to be kind to people. And that's my sacrifice, this sort of thing. Yeah. You know, so you talk about fair and we both are we both are parents justin and i are parents of um children who are pretty similar in age yeah. right there there there's certain kind of fairness that requires a kind of sharpening um of the child right yeah. and 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 by that i mean like punitive punitive like um you know punishment yeah uh when you go you need to go to timeout because you've hit your brother right um it's fair to the the brother but it's also it's also fair uh, for the 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 child's overall character right. as as he or she grows, right? Um, that it's adjusting to do, and it even you know the 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 Latin word uh, for justice, justum. Mm-hmm. You know they they used to call all sorts of things just, like like a knife is just if it can mm-hmm. it it does its job, it it fulfills its end, it can cut. Right. If the knife is dull, you have to sharpen it. Like right. you can't just go, oh, oh, that that's the knife. Be kind to it. <laughs> yeah, be kind to it. Like it, it, it just you know, it's just changed its ways. Um, rather than than doing that, you have to sharpen it. If the road doesn't lead where it's supposed to go, uh, you have to to straighten the path and and make sure that it leads where it needs to go. So, you know, justice, fairness requires more than just being kind. Right. It actually. Uh, in order to be kind, it it requires a kind. Sometimes it requires a kind of sharpening or a right. punishment, right? Yeah. Uh, in a similar way, as we would, you know, take something, uh, you know, take something sharp to a knife. I think we need to uh, take a break to this conversation there you and go. allow it to, you know, be sharpened by coming to an end for a moment. So, with that, we are straight talk on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we will be right back after this break. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio in Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo is provided by Confluence Brewing Company, a local brewery featuring seasonal and limited-release beers located off the bike trail south of Grays Lake and online at confluencebrewery.com. Confluence Brewing Company has growlers to go, apparel, and other gifts for family and friends. Confluence Brewing Company is available for curbside service and would like to thank you for your support. Thank you, Confluence Brewing Company, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. 
Thank you, Construction Professionals, for your support of Dowling Catholic Sports 365. Construction Professionals is a family-owned business dedicated to our customers. Whether designing, building, or renovating, we are here to better serve you. Our passion for quality craftsmanship, paired with our dedication to creativity, result in a home that reflects your personality, style, and family function. Construction Professionals. Design. Build. Renovate. cpcustomhomes.com. From our family to yours. God bless. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Lee and Eddie in the Morning is provided by Blessman International. The coronavirus has impacted lives in Iowa and around the world. This is especially true in rural South Africa, where COVID-19 restrictions have led to vulnerable children being hospitalized due to starvation. To combat this hunger, Blessman International now offers a program called One Child at a Time. You can sponsor a child in South Africa for $1 a day. Learn more at blessmaninternational.org. blessmaninternational.org. Thank you to Mercy One for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. From the cardiovascular experts at the Iowa Heart Center to the pediatric services of Mercy Children's Hospital and Clinics, Mercy provides complete care for Central Iowa's adults and children with more than 50 primary care and specialty clinics in the Des Moines area. Find a convenient Mercy One location near you. Online at mercydesmoines.org. Did you know you have a choice in your child's education? Smaller class sizes, dedicated teachers, a sense of community, and a caring learning environment. Whether it's in the classroom or at home, Diocese of Des Moines Catholic Schools deliver the best value in education. And we offer tuition assistance to help you afford it. Learn more about how the Catholic schools in the Des Moines Diocese might be the right choice for your child. Visit dmdiocese.org schools. Welcome back to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. This is John Wynn along with Justin White. We are filling in for Gene Wells today. Uh, we have been talking about evangelization and catechesis, and it feels like the entire session we've just been griping about the current <laughs> affairs of the church. So we do apologize for that, but we're not going to leave you without um, recommendations that we think might work. Now, again, that we think may work. If it doesn't work, um, well, you can you can complain to Gene Wells. No, you probably just didn't do it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can complain to Gene Wells. There you go. Uh, so, you know... As as we as we leave you here, um, we talked about evangelization at the beginning, um, and we talked about how uh, we are lacking that sort of uh, communal building um, in our in our churches, along with uh, the domestic church, which is our family. I, I think one of the recommendations I would have for people, and uh, I see this at St. Peter's uh, Catholic Church, which is the the Vietnamese Catholic Church that I'm a part of. One of the the things that frustrates a lot of people, but also is a beautiful thing for me to see, is that we have baptisms on the first um, Sundays of the month. Mm. Um, so the baptisms are not done privately. Yeah. Uh, when a when a person wants to baptize their child into the community. You know, they go to the church, they talk to Father Lee, um, and they they do all of the preparation that's needed. And then uh, we, at the Sunday Mass, at the the main Sunday Mass at 1030, 
the child is baptized. So sometimes you have four or five, you know, children baptized, and of course you walk into it and you see that, and you go, "Oh man, it's gonna be like a two-hour mass," <laughs> right. which is, you know, which for some people are like, "Oh man, this is this is terrible." But at the same time, we all do appreciate the fact that we know who's coming into our community, who's being baptized into the the Church of God, um, into the the uh, specifically. St. Peter's community. So I think one of the recommendations, at least from my end, is that, you know, some sacraments are not to be privatized. It, it, it needs to be a communal um, sacrament in that, you know, especially baptism, where we see who is coming into our community. We welcome them. We welcome the parents. We, as a community as well, can hold those parents to, to the... Um, the kind of the responsibility of raising their children in the house of God. Uh, so, again, if you can, don't privatize uh, the sacraments, right. uh, the, the the baptism, especially. Right. So on that, COVID has done. Uh, there have been a lot of negative uh, effects of of the coronavirus over the last. Wow, you know four or five months at this point. Goodness. But one of them that I would say has really hit home for at least my wife and I is the way in which we've been isolated as parents, right? And it's really brought into stark relief just how much our parenting of our children relies on not only help from grandparents and, you know, aunts and uncles and and whatnot, but, you know, the way in which we raise, we ought raise children in community Mm -hmm. and, you know, with with friends, with you know, kind of not as second parents necessarily, but other adults to help guide our children. When we, you know, relegate baptism to you know, well, it'll be ten minutes after mass once everybody's left, and we'll just have the you know the most immediate members of the family and that sort of thing. We do essentially what COVID has done to our families now, where it says, nope, we'll just kind of isolate you, you guys. It, you know, the, the the raising of these children is just for you, sort of thing. Right. I was like, no, we we need to be raising these kids as community. Right. Um, you know, raising our families as community, and that's that's vital. And if we don't remember that, we end up just kind of shutting things right. off and cutting off a real avenue of community. Yeah, aphorisms tend to be that way because they're they're true, right? They they yep. talk about taking a village, village to raise yep. a child. You know, if if the if the parents held responsible for raising that child. Y- you know who to tell on. You know, when right, I was a little yeah. kid, if I if I screwed up, you know, my my mom would hear all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did I get uh, sort of a butt whooping from the the, <laughs> the ladies down the street, but also but also I'll get a butt whooping from my mom as well <laughs> when right. I come home. So you know, everyone knows and everyone holds each other accountable, and especially in 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 a, a faith where communion is one of the marks. Right. Um, of right. our faith, that it ought to be a a thing lived out, right? Rather than spoken about. And if we get angry emails about you know mass going too long, I would just tell our pastors stand strong. A lot of us you know <laughs> are not complaining about mass going too long because of baptisms, right? Like that's a that's a really important thing. Oh, ab- oh, absolutely. I, I I think you know the the price to quote unquote the price to pay. <laughs> Yeah. For an entry of a person into the Catholic faith, the Catholic community, an hour is is hardly a price, right? Especially when the martyrs were spilling their blood, right. uh, left and right. 
Ain't that the truth? Yep. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So I think that one of the things we really need to focus on in all of our, our efforts in parish and domestic evangelization is involvement in a community and creation of a community. And there's always a danger to what I've seen called the heresy of involvementism. Right, like this kind of belief that, oh, we have a good Catholic family because we're involved in lots and lots of things. Well, that alone isn't the measure right. of it, right? There right. are, you know, really active and healthy, uh, you know, Catholic families who aren't involved in anything. They go to Sunday Mass, and that's it. Mm-hmm. But at home, they're doing really wonderful things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Catholic parents aren't bad parents if they don't send their kids to youth ministry. Right. Because <laughs> they really might be doing some wonderful, wonderful things at home, and maybe it's just scheduling or whatever doesn't work out. There's a number of things. But we often can fall into, well, I don't see them around any other than Mass, so that's a problem. Well, no, no, no. We can still build community even without everyone being involved in all the programs and things along those lines. And oh, yeah. That's important to remember. And and you know, think think also parish uh, minded, as yeah. in like you know, don't don't just sort of if my schedule works, I'll go th- this day to this parish. If it doesn't work, I'll go to another parish. Mm-hmm. Kind of ideal, right? That's the first. Uh, that's the first step towards building community is being being faithful to the parish that right. you're going to be a part of. Um, Absolutely. So anyway, we're getting uh, a sign here that yep. we need to to wrap it up. So thank you for joining us today on Straight Talk. Uh, We are on the air because of your prayers and generosity. So thank you. Please consider a tax-deductible gift to Iowa Catholic Radio online at iowacatholicradio.com. As a reminder, Straight Talk is every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio and always available on podcasts through the Iowa Catholic Radio free app. Stay tuned for Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. And God bless everybody. Straight Talk, where you get answers to tough issues impacting your life. Listen anywhere at any time via podcast at iowacatholicradio.com. Straight Talk, heard every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and replayed at 10 p.m. only on Iowa Catholic Radio. 